Hello, this is Donnie Foster, the pastor of the Journey Church in Fort Worth, Texas. My prayer is the message you are about to hear will be a source of blessing and encouragement in your life. At the conclusion, I'll share a few closing words and a prayer. May the Lord bless you as you listen. Hutto, Texas is uh, 21 minutes from the capital. 1915, um, the State Fair train was going through the area, a little farming community of Hutto, and they stopped for a break, and a hippo on the train decided he was going to make a break for it, and he did, and he got out in the water, in the pond there in the, the farming community of Hutto, and it took the whole town to come and get the hippo out and get him back on the train. Now, I'm telling you that story just because that's Hutto's story. That's why there's a hippo on our table back there. They are the Hutto hippos. To my knowledge, they're the only, only school that has a hippo for a mascot. But that was in 1915. Uh, all the way up to 2000, uh, Hutto was still just a farming community, only a population of 1,250 people. Um, fast forward 22 years, and they're over 30,000 and booming. Um, predicted by 2040 to be at 85,000. Um, and that's their story. Um, our story, if I need to switch, it's okay. Uh, our story is, uh, I grew up in a um, small Baptist church. My dad was a pastor, and I say was because he went home to be with the Lord last year. And uh, loved my dad, loved my family, loved how I grew up. But there was a little bit of brokenness in how the gospel was presented to me. Uh, my dad was a real strict authority, you know, just di- strong disciplinarian. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I developed a relationship with my dad that was like, I'm just going to do the best that I can, but keep my distance. And hopefully I'll make dad happy. Great man. I- I'm, I'm not at all putting my dad down. It's, it's a beautiful thing what God did for us because... The rebellion and just being a punk that I was growing up when I got out of his household and saw what it was to run my own household, God mended our relationship. And it was better, <laughs> five minutes of our, our relationship as grown men washed away all of the, the junk when I was young. But what that did for me is that, that caused me to view God in the same way. I don't know if that's happened to any of you, but... I think it's a pretty common thing for believers that we view God, our Heavenly Father, often the way we relate to God, our earthly Father. And that was certainly the case for me. So it developed this this feeling and this attitude and this approach to God that I'm just going to do the best that I can, but not get too close, and hopefully I can make him happy. That produced a lot of bootstrap Christianity in me. You know, go along this time of year, and then, oh man, thank God camp's coming. I can get back close to Jesus, pull up the bootstraps, try harder, mission trip, man, thank you, revival, ah. and it just created this ebb and flow. When I was 22 years old at Minnetonka camp, God revealed to me the glorious beauty of the gospel, in that all of my efforts and workings to make God happy were in vain because that is something that Jesus accomplished at the cross. Jesus 
satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus made God happy on my behalf. (laughs) That's not the, the most theological strong language, but that's exactly what happened at the cross. And he resurrected, and one day he's coming again, and that is the gospel. That is why I'm standing here before you. That's why you're sitting here is because of the power of the gospel. Yeah, that's right. And so that's where our story, my story, and Hutto's story collide. Uh, in 2018, I was on staff at Anchor Baptist Church. If you had the pleasure of knowing Charles Bartlett, um, Charles Bartlett was also a strong disciplinarian figure. <laughs> so interesting how God weaves our stories like yeah, he does. But I'd served with Brother Charles for over 15 years at this point in 2018, youth ministry, associate pastor, worship. Um, I had all the hats and all the titles. And... But God began to stir within our hearts something that we couldn't put our finger on in September of 2018. So much so that we, Teresa and I went to Brother Charles and said, hey, um, yeah, pray with us, fast with us. We don't know what God's doing. We feel like we could be here forever. Or we feel like we could be gone in a few years. And so we begin to pray over that. Him, a little nervously, because he'd always told us, if y'all go, we're, we're going with y'all. <laughs> but in 2019, that February, we got a phone call from a, a family named Joe and Audra Gunther. We had met Joe and Audra at Minnetonka Camp, at our week of camp. We used to be, Minnetonka has three weeks of senior camp. We always went to week two. Well, week two was so full, one year they were sleeping kids on the floor. And it's not their fault, guys, it's my beard. <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, but they were so full, so our pastor said, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to switch to week one, help maybe build that week up too. And that is when we met Joe and Audrey Gunther. And so for the next six years, we saw them one week out of the year. For five days, we spent time with them at Minnetonka Camp. And when I first met Joe and Audrey, I didn't really like Joe. He was kind of a monster. Super competitive. You know how youth pastors can be. (laughs) But man, over time, um, God began to grow me. And I believe God began to grow Joe also. And we began to see this relationship. But it was just that. It was once a week. And then February 2019, they called us and said, hey, let's meet up for dinner. And I don't know if I described it as like Holy Spirit fingers or spotty senses, whatever you want to call it, they just started going off. Like, I've only seen you once a week for the past six years, eight years, and now you want to have dinner. So we met at this little hole-in-the-wall restaurant in Mundy, Texas. And there, Joe sat nervously, shaking even, telling us that the Lord had called them to plant churches and that he immediately put our family on their hearts to ask them to go with him. And he didn't know what had happened and what we'd been praying for since 2018. So as he's nervously telling this, I mean spilling water nervously telling this, Teresa and I begin to feel this nervousness transition to us because by the time we left Maddie's restaurant in Mundy, Texas, it was evident to us that we were supposed to be church planting. That's what God was calling us to. That's what he'd been stirring within us. That's what he had set before us. It was a really cool process, and I'm just telling you all this because I love hearing people's stories. So I, I want to share my whole, our whole story with you. But for the next year, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I felt like when you break your arm or something, you have a cast, the first question anybody's going to ask you is, 
happen, yeah. Well, imagine that God's called you to church planting, and you share that. Hey, God's called us to go plant churches. The first question is going to be, where? <laughs> Honestly, for about a year, we had no idea where. Uh, we, were, we were both on about a two-year track to be able to get to the place, wherever that was. And it was really cool. Um, I'd never been a part of that. I'd always been a part of just, you know, something that's already established, and this is my role, and this is what I do. And I tell you this because sometimes, for me, I like to stay in those places because it's comfortable. I don't want to go to the, the unknown, because the unknown is where, man, I might, I might not be good here. And I start, I start sensing the, some of the idols that I serve, like approval and control. And those are really in the spotlight in the unknown. But we begin praying over, the, over that next year, and it was really cool, like really cool process. Like, okay, if you talk to somebody and they mention a city, write it down, and we're going to pray over it. So for this next year, we had this notepad that we like just wrote all these places down, Corpus Christi, San Antonio, Massachusetts, you know, Connecticut, El Paso, Dallas, Austin, College Station. We just began writing and taking it before the Lord. Joe got invited to Taylor, Texas, which is about 29 minutes from the capital. And we felt pretty confident after praying through that pretty quickly. That's not where God would have us start. But we, we knew after a year that God was pointing our hearts to the Austin area. And so Huddo's about eight minutes, six minutes west of Taylor, and on the drive that weekend, driving around the area, God began to break Joe's heart for Hutto, Texas. He said, hey, man, y'all got to come see this place. I think this is where we're going to start in the Austin area. See, because our, our vision from the Lord is, our, our, the desire that he's given us is not to simply plant a church, but we want to plant churches in the Austin area. And so God has given us Hutto as the starting place. And as Teresa and I and our, our kids drove to Hutto and then got in a truck and drove around with Joe that day, God just began to break our hearts for the city. Here's a city that's booming. There's two builders at the time that have thousand house contracts. And I know you and the DFW, this is normal for y'all, but we come from Wichita Falls where they've been 100,000 people for 50 years. Nothing's growing. Yeah. This place is exploding. There's an $18 billion Samsung plant fixing to drop in Taylor. Elon Musk is moving everything there. All these tech companies are coming there. But you know what's not growing in the same speed? The church. When we went and looked at Hutto the first time, there was eight churches in the city of Hutto for 27,000 people. And if you filled all their buildings to capacity, every seat full have to open the doors. Maybe people hang out on the porch. You're only talking 1,500 people. And so why do we want to plant churches in the Austin area? I'm going to tell you, it has broken my heart, the responses we've gotten when we've shared with people that we're going to Austin. There's, number, there's two responses. Here's the two responses we get from fellow believers in Texas when we say we're going to Austin. And I'm not judging you if you make them right now as I say them. The first one is, ugh. The 
The second one is why. I can't speak to the first one. God, God can speak to that one. I can't speak to the first one. The second one, however, I feel it's our duty to speak to. And so the reason why we feel called to plant churches in the Austin area is simply because of the gospel. Knowing me as I know me, and knowing you as you know you, aren't you glad for the gospel? In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, the Bible says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. It's a familiar passage for us. And it lays out the gospel. The gospel is not just an idea. It's not a, it's not a theme. The gospel is not a, a, uh, 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 an idea of, of thought. The gospel is news. The gospel is an actual thing. Now, you can apply it in other ways, but the gospel, first and foremost, is news. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, laid down his life after living a sinless, perfect life, was buried three days later, just as he said, rose again, ascended into heaven, and one day is coming again. The message of the gospel speaks this into our life. That because of Jesus, we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. Because of Jesus, we have been and can be delivered from the power of sin. And one day, because of Jesus, we will be delivered from the presence of sin. Man, the gospel is where it's at. It speaks into our everyday lives. I, I, I encourage you, I've heard a theologian say this, and I love it. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. It's not just the first step of Christianity. It's the A to Z of Christianity. Yeah, you say, you know, I've looked at the gospel as a gate. You know, I pray this prayer, I get in. No, the gospel speaks power to our everyday life. Amen. If I don't have the gospel in my life, if I don't have the message of the gospel in my life and in my heart every day, knowing what Christ has done for me and what he is doing for me and what he will do for me, I think it's all about me. Yeah. And I strive for approval. And I end up right back where I was in bootstrap Christianity, thinking I'm going to make Jesus happy or I'm going to make Jesus sad today. When instead, the message of the gospel frees us from that and challenges us as believers to stand in the forgiveness of Christ that we already possess, Ephesians 1 tells us. So why go to Austin? Well, first, because of the gospel. And the second reason is, is simply this. How are we going to go, to go to Austin and plant churches in the Austin area? We're going to do it as a family. You see, why is because of the gospel. And what the gospel also shows us, what the church, as it was transformed by this gospel, is that it operates as a family. I love coming to churches I don't know. 
It's really great because you get to see you guys operate in ways that to you becomes normal, but to an outsider is just beautiful. Seeing your love and care for one another, seeing the way that you welcome in one another. We see that picture in Acts chapter 2. Matter of fact, we see that picture all throughout the book of Acts. But they operated as a family. Familiar passage there in Acts 42 through 47. We don't take the time to go there, but it just says that the, the believers were meeting daily and they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine and to breaking bread and fellowship and to prayer. Church, you know the secret of being a good church in any community God plants you in? Is being a good family. You look at the qualifications that Paul lays out to Timothy for, for, for elders, for, for leaders even in the church. What is it? It's a good husband. It's a good father. It's a good member of a family is what you see in here. So we think it's valuable to not just view church as an, as an organism, but to view church as an individual family that are growing together, placing priority on that. We, we have three purposes in how we plan on discipling our family and how we plan on growing in Christ together. First one is this. We value and we highly value the Sunday gathering. We had our first one February 6th. Uh, we st- we're starting meeting at night because that's the place we have free rent. And as a church planner, that's pretty awesome. This was our first gathering. You see up here? Um, we met in, in a, a church's building on a Sunday night at 5 o'clock. And we were happy as all get out. We're going to transition on March 20th to uh, the YMCA in Hutto. God's provided us to be able to use their facility. God's provided somebody who's already given us the rent for two years. Um, yeah. Thanks be to God. How are we going to take care of it? Are we just going to take care of it as this is our church and we need to do what's best for our church? We feel like the better approach is we're going to take care of each and individual family. And we're going to speak to the needs first and foremost with a Sunday gathering. So if you could view it in familiar terms, this is family reunion. Aren't family reunions great? He said laughingly. (laughs) Feeling the awkward tension even with that title. But you know what happens at family reunions? Family reunions, people gather and the clumps that are close gather. But there's this unspoken closeness that when you look across the room and see somebody you're not really close with, you still know, hey, that's my family. That's what happens in the church. You're not going to be close to everyone here. You don't have the emotional, uh, you don't have the emotional ability to be close to everyone in here. But what God is doing is he's allowing some of you to grow close and tight. But you can look across this room, all across this room and see eyeballs, and you can know, man, that's my that's our first and primary way. The second way we're doing is we're, we have these things, gospel communities. And that's just a dressed-up word for small groups. But we call them that because we really want them to function in that way. We want them to be the gospel in the community where they are meeting. Right now we have two. We started with two, and praise God, it looks like April 1st we're going to multiply out into our third one. And we want to just be visible visible representatives of Jesus in our communities. I had a pastor friend that told me, he said, I had no idea that much of my job as a pastor and discipling my people was simply going to be to teach them how to be friends. We, We have 
come to a place in society where we're not even sure what it looks like to be good neighbors. How does that play out for the church as being ambassadors of the gospel? When we live inside four walls and, and have a hard time reaching out to the people that we are placed by God on their street. See, I believe God has put us in these places for specific reasons and purposes, and that is to live out lives in front of them that tell the story of the gospel. And it's not like you have to knock on the door and preach them a three-point sermon with a poem. I told you I'm old-school Baptist. No, it's simply inviting them over your house for dinner or asking them how you can be praying for them, asking them how you can be serving them. Even better than that, rather than taking a bullet point list of things you can do, how about this? What if we, the church, simply got on our face before God and asked him, God, would you show me how to connect to my neighbor? And so that's a value that we place. We want to meet once a week in these gospel communities and just love on people. And to start, we're going to do this. We're going to three weeks out of the month, we're going to kind of do an inward focus where we're not solely pushing outward. Now, during the week, we're all, yes, we're living our lives with our neighbors and our communities, being missional, trying to share the love of Jesus. But we're going to gather three times, and we're, going to, we're just going to dig into the Word of God together. On the fourth week of the month, it's going to be solely outward focused. Well, we're grabbing as many neighbors and people that we can that we've met and talked with all month. And Hey, we're going to a restaurant with our friends. You want to go with us? Hey, we're going to a ball game over here. You want to go with us? Hey, we're having a cookout in our backyard. You should come. Don't worry about bringing anything. It's covered. So that's our second value is a gospel community. And then our third value is going to be equip classes where we simply want to build and strengthen our people in the Word of God. So if you can picture that, family reunion, that's Sunday morning gathering, Gospel community, that's individual families, and then equip classes, that's the individual. All three of those ways is how we want to do that. And we want to operate as a family in love, saying the hard things, because that's love too. But walking with them through that and in that, knowing the whole time that we're not pointing them to us, that we're the hero, that we've got everything figured out, but rather regularly confessing, we are not the hero. We will let you down all the time, but Jesus is the perfect example. Let's look to him. So we've covered the why and the how. So what does it look like to plant churches in the Austin area? I think maybe I've I've crossed up my points a little bit and and merged them together, but the last one is we're going to do that on mission. We're going to do that on mission. In Acts chapter 13, turn there if you will with me. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. I love this this picture that you get here in Acts 13, this sending. They were sent by the Holy Spirit, commissioned out by the church. I'm sorry about that. What's that? Sit. Is that better? 
This beard, for all of its glory, has problems. <laughs> but this picture that we see in Acts 13, where they're, they're gathering, and they're gathering with a purpose. It says that the Holy Spirit called on them to, to do something and to accomplish something, but they were, they were setting themselves apart for that work before that happened. They were worshiping and they were fasting. I feel like for me as a believer, this happened in my life. Because what, what had happened in 2018 in the spring, and I don't know how else to put this except God had yanked a knot in me. Like I said, it, it's pretty easy to be in the safe, comfortable space as a human, much less as a believer. But God had turned our hearts toward intentional discipleship. What I mean by that is, like, I think we just viewed discipleship where we were ministering as just like this thing that was going to happen by osmosis. Like, yes, I'm going to love people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve people, and I'm going to be with people. But most of that, if I'm honest, was reactionary on my part. It's really easy for, for me to just be reactionary to life, and even sometimes to the call of God on my life. And it's, it's important for me to confess that to you, because I think it's so easy as Christians to just go through the motions, act like everything's cool, and never get real. And so reactionary ministry was something that I, you know, gotten comfortable in. But in the spring of 2018, God had literally just yanked a knot in me. That I want your life to count. It challenged how I interacted with my neighbors. Um, we have these neighbors that God put there in Wichita Falls with us and for the most part, it had just been like, hey, we'll try to be nice to them and then invite them to church because that's what Christians do. Again, comfortable, reactionary. <laughs> when I first met this neighbor, he said, hey, I'm a Jack Mormon. And I was like, I have never heard of a Jack Mormon. He said, it's real easy. I'm a raised a Mormon, but now I just drink Jack Daniels. I don't want anything to do with your God. I don't want anything to do with your church. And he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even uh, come to our porch. We lived out in Wichita Falls, and our houses were connected by a carport. We lived in old government housing because, man, the neighborhood was the best. Like, you got a parking ticket warrant. They evicted you. It was so safe. Like, we didn't lock our house. It was like, we're in the 50s. This is beautiful. But we shared this duplex with this older couple. And it started with they would talk to us in the driveway. Just very casual, surface-level, meaningless stuff. And we had a bench up on our porch, and we were like, hey, you guys want to come up here and just sit down and talk? And he, nah, we're good. And they cut and turn. When God began to yank a knot in me, it began to develop a burden in my heart for Randy. And so I began to pray, God, just break my heart for Randy, whatever that looks like. And, man, I'll be... The, the, the answer from the Lord was the weirdest thing 
for me at that time, I, I just didn't expect it. And that was, I don't want you to say what you think you should say. He, he pointed my heart and mind and eyes to Scripture and affirmed over, over and over to me, I'm going to give you the words that I want you to say. That's very hard for a Baptist preacher to just shut up. I'm just being honest. But I began to listen to Randy like I'd never listened to him before. I began to ask God, God, I'm wanting on this highway of Randy's heart, but you know where the on-ramp's at, and I can't find it. Please, God, just show me this on-ramp. A couple months, Randy and Sandy were coming to our porch and talking. And then COVID hit. You know what COVID showed me? Is that God is not interested in my plans that have to do with time. Because he is over time. All my urgencies and angst and feeling like I've got to save all the rats and I've got to get everybody on the ship and I've got to, why would you save rats? I don't know why I said that. I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to save them all. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, and God is just showing me like, hey, Jack. We both bear responsibility in salvation, man and God. But only one of us saves. Came to our porch, to our door, said, hey, COVID's hit. Y'all need toilet paper? We just went and bought 500 rolls. <laughs> and they made this statement. If we're going to get COVID, we're going to get COVID with Jack. Would y'all like to come over for dinner? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a crybaby, and I'm about to weep because it just broke. It breaks my heart afresh. I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't scheme that. I didn't create this great conversation. I just laid it before the Lord and said, God, change his heart. Because what God showed me is that I want you to do something. I'm going to call your hands to be faithful. I'm going to ask you to work. And, and we're fixing to go to another slide that talks about being partners in the gospel. I'm asking you to do that. I, I'm, I'm asking you to live worthy of your calling. But I want you to know this. You're not doing anything that's so valuable and important that I can't supersede it in my presence. And Randy and Sandy began to come to our house and share dinner. We went to their house and shared dinner. They began to buy us nice toys and new clothes. And Randy had back surgery in Plano. It was a Sunday morning after he had recovered and come home. Teresa came and got me and said, hey, Randy's in Duluth. <laughs> came outside. I dreamed when I was in the hospital that I went to hell. Jeremy, it was so real. So real that I woke up and, against doctor's orders, checked myself out of the hospital because I had this nightmare. And it just wounded by surgery, broken in many ways, See, how we're going to plant churches in the Austin area is the same way that you do what you do here in Fort Worth. It's the same way we did what we did in Wichita Falls. It's just being on mission with God. Following his leadership and his guidance. And seeing him 
through the work in men's hearts and minds. This last slide has our church vision on it. This is what we want to be as Redeemer Hutto. We want to be a diverse, gospel-centered family. Paul in Philippians 1 thanks God for these believers for their partnership in the gospel. And I've got these silos because these silos are really, really cool to me. If you, if you Google Hutto, you'll, you'll see these silos that come up in a field not too far ago, not too long back. But these, these silos now, which by the people who don't know think it's just some kitschy downtown attraction, those are part of the new city hall layout and market that they're building there in downtown but they just used to be silos in a field. And it's just a reminder to me that when God's people partner together, much like Hutto as a community business-wise has partnered together, look what can happen. And I'm not saying that we're doing this as a business. It's, this transcends business to the highest degree. But when God's people get together, look what can happen. Look what can happen here. Look around you, this family reunion this morning. But God. And so what God has privileged us to do is go to the last year before his people and simply lay out the ask. Would you simply pray and ask God how he would have you partner with us? Here's how God's people have partnered with us throughout this last year. Some people have partnered with us in prayer. We desperately need that. Uh, back on our table back there, we've got a notepad where we take people's um, email addresses that want to leave them or to have a conversation with, with Teresa. We can take your name, and we have a church planting Facebook group. Um, so we send out emails or we send out information on our, our Facebook group. But we, we covet your prayers. The second way that a lot of people have also partnered with us is financially, and that's from churches to individuals. It's really amazing to me that 95% of our support is individuals churches. Um, I really believe that's the, the strategy that God set before us and laid before us so that we could get there so quickly. Uh, we begin this process in March of 2021, and we are living in Hutto as we speak. God enabled it. God opened those doors. He allowed us to network and, and partner with places that I don't know that I would have sought out, but God clearly opened the doors and allowed us to network with um, organizations like Acts 29. Within Texas, there's another group called the Redeemer Network. It's a, a very healthy, vibrant group of churches and showed us health in a lot of ways and accountability and leadership like I've, I've honestly never seen, never been a part of in my service. And it's not that it's a better way. It's just another community way. God's got a big tent, <laughs> and he uses a lot of us in a lot of different ways. And that's what he's opened my eyes up to. And so we've had people partner with us both individually and, again, corporately, financially. But then the last way we've had people partner with us is we've had people partner with us logistically. Uh, we've had families say, uh, God's called us to go just live life and do what y'all are doing in Hutto. They don't raise their support. They don't join a mission agency. They don't do all that. But they simply transfer their life to where and what God's doing in Hutto. Um, there's a particular family or guy in, in Abilene right now that's, that's praying over that very thing. And how exciting is that? Um, and so that's simply the ask. And, and here's, the, um, here's what I love about God's people is that 
It's just that. God's going to work in ways in people's hearts the way that God's worked. And here's what we, the Hare family, are trusting. God called us to do this, and he's going to be faithful in that for us. And it really takes it off. It really takes the pressure off. You know what I mean? Uh, sometimes that's what kept me in the comfortable is, well, I don't really know how this is going to work over here. I don't know what this looks like. There's a simple illustration that I'll close with. So I grew up old school Baptist. Um, good Bible preaching. But honestly, a lot of shame and guilt thrown in. Uh, I walked an aisle eight times and got saved eight times. I felt like I had to understand better. I had to get better. I've got, I've got to do better. I've got to try harder. So you can imagine me, the father of five children, ages 23, 21, 17, 6, and 4. I love seeing y'all's faces when we say that. We're not showing off. God's hilarious. That's all that is. <laughs> imagine my terror when they... The last thing I wanted to do was pray some prayer and tell them that they were dead sinners. It terrified me. And what terrified me is I would have conversations with God. God, they're this age. There's no way they understand. There's no way they get this. There's no way they know this. And our Father, in his patience, would say to my heart, like you know everything. Like you understand everything. I want to challenge you this morning to just lay your heart like an open book before our God. Maybe right now your heart's in the comfortable. Maybe it's not. Praise God. Maybe your heart's on mission and you're partners in the gospel and you're thriving here with Journey Church, what God's doing here in Columbus. God, that you would have us to be people that would go and do what we do because of the gospel. And that we as your children, Father, would do it as a family with all the love and trust and security that a family brings. Lord, help us to see that our identity first and foremost as believers who've placed their faith and trust in you on repentance and faith is that we're a child and a daughter of God, when we operate like a loving family, God, you open our eyes up to what it looks like to be on mission with you. God, we're thankful that you don't task us with building your kingdom. Father, you rather invite us in to build it. Truly to be partners in the gospel. God, examine our hearts. Look at us, Father. Holy Spirit, speak to us as you would. Thank you for listening to this message. Our goal is to reach people all over the globe with the good news of God's Word. If you would like to partner with us by making a donation, visit our website at journey-church.com. That's journey-church.com on a PC or laptop 
and simply click on the Donate tab on our homepage. By partnering with us, you will help us reach the world for the cause of Christ. Allow me to pray for you. Lord, I pray you bless those who have heard your word today. May you also bless their family and those whom you place in their paths. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.